everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder from the Apple, and uh, these Metropolitans just keep rolling along, don't they? Uh, Mets took two of three from the Reds in Cincinnati this week. I had a slugfest on Monday, a game they could have come away with on Tuesday, and a little one-sided daytime clobbering on getaway day on Wednesday. Uh, you know, we'll take that. I think the Mets have now won 13 of their last 24 series with four splits. That's going back to the beginning of May. That's going to do. Win series, and you're going to create separation in the division, and the Mets are uh, well on their way. Uh, so on Monday, they got multi-hit games from Brandon Nimmo, Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, James McCann, Luis Guillorme, and a two-homer, three-hit game from Michael Conforto. So much for that dead offense, huh? Everyone's back to hitting, by the way. Uh, even Conforto, who despite, I believe, he's 0 for his last 9 after his little breakout, he's still hitting the tar out of the baseball. I think he lined out at like 106 miles an hour on Wednesday. Um, yeah, just, you know, Mets lose Lindor. Everyone else comes around. You gotta believe level stuff. We, you just, you love it. The, uh, that never say die energy was, uh, was heavy on Monday. You have a back and forth game the whole time. Lots of offense. Uh, the Mets went ahead on James McCann's homer in the top of the eighth. Edwin Diaz blew the save in the ninth and you have to walk Winker there. You have to, oh my God, you have to. <laughs> anyway, uh, McCann struck again in the 10th as did Cincinnati off Anthony Vanda, who, who really didn't pitch bad at all, uh, all things considered. And the Mets finally poured it on in the 11th on uh, Kevin Pillar's three-run homer. The bench mobbing will continue all the way through October. Uh, Tuesday was a bit of a letdown, but, you know, the bullpen was outstanding. We always take a positive away. Uh, Robert Stock, who, of course, was the spot starter that the Mets, how many spot, spot starters have they had this year? Uh, he left after an inning with a right hamstring strain. He was running to first in the top of the second. Came back out for the bottom of the second and didn't even throw a pitch. He's the 32nd. This is via Jacob Resnick, uh, our good buddy over at SNY. 32nd New York Met to hit the injured list this season, which uh, just mind-boggling. But, hey, onward and, and you just next man up and all that all those fun cliches at this point. Uh, and it's a shame because, you know, Robert Stock was kind of dealing. Um, command has always been his thing, but uh, he had Tyler Naquin 0-2. And I wrote about it on the Apple. I think I tweeted about it, but it was that impressive. I'm going to talk about it again. He put 99 four-seamer, uh, like an inch inside to Naquin, who's a left-handed hitter, on 0-2, which is just a, a got him swinging, um, which, you know, you see some guys just – evade the strike zone at all costs on 0-2 because uh, it's like, I guess, a you know a big rule. Don't don't let up a hit on 0-2. But, uh, yeah, he, he hey, to his credit, he stayed out of the strike zone. But, boy, he got in there close, and, and he challenged Naquin. And, and I, you know, from a just a fan's perspective, it was very cool to see. But, uh, you know, we, we love that kind of waste-no-pitches, ballsy approach. We, we love that. Um Steven Nagosik avoided being rattled. He was selected by the Mets, had his contract selected on Monday. I believe this was his ninth major league appearance. Um, you know, uh, not overpowering, but boy, he, he got the job done. So like I was saying, he avoided getting rattled by back-to-back -back homers from Joey Votto and Aristides Aquino. Uh, 
uh, he went three innings in relief of stock. His only two runs uh, against were, were on those home runs. The NC Diaz comes in. Um, I think he's up to four consecutive scoreless outings right now. Uh, Jeff Hartley uh, picked him up. Mets picked him up on waivers from Pittsburgh in early July. Uh, he came in. He gave, I think, an inning and a third. Uh, Aaron Loop, who's been freaking amazing this year, uh, he came in. He got out of some trouble. Drew Smith, they all, they, they kept the Mets in the ballgame. Um, you know, the Mets offense taking an offer uh, on seven at-bats with runners in scoring position and leaving nine on base in the process, you know, that'll that'll do that. But, you know, that's not to say they didn't have their chances. I think Pete Alonso said after the game on Tuesday, uh, they were just a swing away from, from taking a lead or tying the game. And, hey, you know, um, in the big picture, they're right, and you can't win them all. But hey, you know, you show these signs of uh, signs of life and signs of fight every game. It doesn't matter what the score is, and it just kind of becomes what this team expects of themselves. And yeah, it's a pretty cool place to be. Um, you know, the wallowing, of course, didn't last long. Excuse me. <coughs> Pardon. Uh, the wallowing didn't last long. On Wednesday, Marcus Stroman gave the Mets and the Mets bullpen exactly what they needed, turning in eight scoreless with just a hit and a walk in his line. Uh, lowered his ERA to 2.59 on the season. It's good for ninth in baseball heading into Thursday. So if you lower the uh, the minimum innings pitch requirements, because right now Jacob DeGrom and Taiwan Walker, neither of them qualify for the leaderboards, I, th- I believe. Uh, if you lower it to 80 innings pitched minimum, you have Jacob DeGrom. This is in the National League. Jacob DeGrom is first. Marcus Stroman is ninth. And Taiwan Walker is 14th. Um, you know, that's – and if I think Mets GM Zach Scott said earlier in the week on John Heyman's podcast, really good listen. Um, Zach Scott was actually very, very uh, forthcoming with his answers. and uh, Yeah, good listen. Um, he's hoping that DeGrom will be back sooner rather than later and then – we're knocking on wood right now. Hopefully that rings true because, uh, yeah, having DeGrom up top changes the dynamic of everything. But in that same regard, Marcus Stroman and, uh, and, and Taiwan Walker have just been um, – they've been, you know, outstanding for this club. And, you know, especially for Stroman who coming off a rough patch, um, it was important for him to kind of come back out and, and really just dominate. And that's what he did. His pitches were working. He got a lot, a bunch of called strikes on his sinker, which leads me to believe that guys didn't know what was coming. Um, his slider was great. He was getting a lot of calls and strikes on that. And, of course, his, his split change is always just a, a joy to watch hitters try and decipher. But, um, yeah, it was, it was again, just what the Mets needed. Uh, Dom Smith's grand slam in the third broke things apart after Jonathan Villar's solo homer in the second broke the ice. Luis Guillorme hit a two-run homer in the fifth, made it 7 nothing, and the Jets beat the Bengals by a touchdown in the Boomerus Eisen Bowl. <laughs> um, yeah, Dom's hitting 281, 368, 536 over his last 125 plate appearances. Uh, since the start of 2019, he's hitting 280, 348, 497. Our Dominic Smith is turning into a star, friends. It's, it's a joy to see. And even Luis Guillorme, he's got his line up to 299, 419, 361. Ah, just a point off in a couple of spots uh, on the season. And he's hitting, since the start of 2019, 293, 395, 381. Everybody 
everybody, everybody, everybody contributes on this team. It's it's uncanny. It's special. Um, it doesn't like the whole pick me up attitude, the whole next man up attitude. All of it. It it's just it's reverberated throughout the entire roster. You're seeing it now with the pitching staff. I mean, we saw it with the offense, and you're still seeing it with the offense. As we said, Michael Conforto, yeah, he's turning things around. He's hitting the ball really hard right now. He's getting back into the swing of things, pun unintended, but I guess sort of. Um, And, you know, Luis Guillorme, he's shoved into a starting role uh, with the absence of Francisco Lindor. And, yeah, he comes right in, and he's multi-hit games. And I know he he had three errors on Monday, and that was costly. That that was – um. You know, uh, it happens. We've all seen the type of defense that Guillaume brings, and, you know, that's that was uncharacter, uh, uncharacteristic to say the least. So, you know, it happens. He got on base three times that night, so that's even Steven as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, yeah, uh, back to Stroman before we take a break. Um, you know, given the bullpen, all but Familia, who worked a perfect ninth on Wednesday – a full two days off before taking on the Blue Jays this weekend, who are playing good baseball. They're very much contending in the AL East. I know it's a, a tightish little uh, little bunch there. You have Boston and Tampa Bay up at the top, but the Yankees and, and the Blue Jays are both very much within striking distance. It's going to be a fun second half there, but they're coming in this weekend into Flushing. That's huge. After the effort that this group has put forth since the All-Star break, um, I think uh, 13.1 innings between Monday and Tuesday combined uh, since the All-Star break. Yeah, 29.2 relief innings in the second half. That's second most in the majors behind Miami's 33. The uh, the little respite that Stroman provided these guys was likely a very welcome development. Um, according to Stroman, his relievers were thanking him. For the uh, for the uh, pick me up after the game, which of course you love to see that. I'm telling you, what's going on in this clubhouse is, is just presumably very very special. Um, championship belts. I got to see the championship belt on Thursday, by the way. Um, Marcus Stroman's HDMH height doesn't matter. Heart uh, <laughs> height doesn't bah, height doesn't measure heart. Andrew, please take that back. Marcus Stroman's HDMH Height Doesn't Measure Heart Foundation was kind enough to invite the Apple to their inaugural baseball clinic in Glen Cove, Long Island on Thursday. Uh, and really, what what a terrific day. And yeah, the championship belt was there and I got a picture of that. And it was, that thing is freaking tremendous. Oh my goodness. But it wasn't about the belt. 250 kids attended the clinic, which, you know, that's just awesome, especially just after everything that we've all been through over the last couple of years. Um, kids, you know, just having their lives turned upside down and they're kids. Uh, you could tell the looks on their faces. They, they, they needed this and we're having a great time. It was uh, just really a special day. Now, according to Stroman, over half of the attendees, they had their enrollment fees paid by event sponsors, just creating opportunity for these kids. It's really, it's what it's all about. And it's so cool. These kids, these kids got to spend hours with their heroes just playing baseball. You know, magical stuff. Marcus Stroman, Taiwan Walker, Dom Smith, uh, Mets assistant hitting coach Kevin Howard, uh, assistant pitching coach Jeremy Accardo, uh, 
you know, what had to be at least another dozen instructors. They're running their stations. The foundation, mostly, the foundation is mostly consisting of the Strowman family, and they 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 run they ran the show beautifully. It was just everything was perfect. You know, each station, the kids move on, they take their lunch break. It just a well-oiled machine, and and you know, and I'm not joking when I say this. A, a <laughs> the epitome of a family-run event. When I walked in, I introduced myself. You know, I signed in at the desk. They take your temperature. I introduced myself as media, which is still really weird. Um, the woman there, uh, uh, you know, she told me, all right, well, you know, you're all good. You filled out your thing. What's your name? Go up there and see Mama Stro. <laughs> I giggled. I said, really? I said, yeah, yeah, she's right up there in the red shirt. I said, okay. Uh, she was very busy, but, um, you know, everyone was just so helpful. Uh, the 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 love and pride put into this event were were extremely evident, and, and that same energy was um, extremely palpable. Even just standing around, I, I sat. I guess I stood in between. There were seven seven stations, I believe. Um, I stood at like the the middle of. You could probably see five of them. The the batting cages where Kevin Howard was running the show. Those are a little tucked away, but you had you know you look one way and you know kids are down there. With, with Kevin Howard in the cages and they come up and they're taking uh, they're taking BP on the field and Dom Smith out in the outfield mixing it up with with kids in the outfield and you know for a few hours they're not ball players they're just out there playing baseball they're all we're all having fun we're all equals on the same field having a just a, a great time and you know there was different age groups and each you know each group was broken up by age so you could actually hear on the field behind me where they're taking BP. You know, when the kids are out there, you hear the tings, and when the you know the teenagers are, it was my I would say teenagers are probably the oldest, the oldest group, maybe some some uh, some early high schoolers possibly, but yeah, you, you know, once they get up, you could hear the it goes from ting to to boom, <laughs> and you know, it was uh, it, it was it was fun, and it, you, know, you look over and you see Jeremy Accardo, he's in a catching position, and he's got kids throwing to him, and you know, there's some kids, you know, you look over and they're just firing these, you know, darts and you look at him and like, boy, that kid's going to be a player when he gets a little older. And there's other kids and, you know, Accardo's taking the time to say, hey, remember where, where you step is where the ball's going to go. And he's just taking the time to teach these kids. Like, you know, when I was oof, 10 years old, Billy Koch, who some of you, if you're a little older, might remember Billy Koch. He pitched for the Blue Jays. He pitched for the uh, Oakland Athletics during the the Moneyball era. He, he was he was on the team and during the uh, when the movie was was set, but uh, didn't get much of a uh, much shine in the movie. But um, yeah, I was I guess ten years old when he graduated high school and he got drafted very high in the draft. And I guess '96 after the Atlanta Olympics, uh, which he did very well in. He came back and had a, a baseball clinic in town. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned, graduated from the same high school that he went to. Anyway, um, just, you know, those types of memories, just getting tips from a professional baseball player, that stuff sticks with you. Spending an entire day with, you know, three Mets players, two Mets coaches, and getting this, like, intimate one-on-one -on -one FaceTime with, in most cases, you know, your heroes, just the looks on these kids' faces was just, uh, it, it was amazing. I think, you know, Earl Stroman, Marcus's father, who I had a chance to speak with, it, it, the one thing that stuck out, 
he said all these smiles with a smirk of his own, of course, when I congratulated him on just a, a really successful day, a great turnout. And he said all these smiles. And it's uh, it was the truth. These kids were having just a, a blast. And uh, it's it's what the community needs. It's what we all need right now. Just, oh, hey, look, look at all that fun. That's what makes you happy. The good stuff. There's so much negativity. Just the good stuff. And this was by far the good stuff. I actually had the chance to speak with Marcus about, um, I guess, the HDHM Foundation's origins and the message he and his family are trying to spread with the platform. Here's a clip. Overcoming adversity is something that I've kind of based my career off of. Um, I'm 5'7", I'm the smallest starting pitcher in the big leagues. I've been told by everybody and their mothers that I wouldn't make it based off uh, height alone. So I kind of started this height doesn't measure hard mantra saying probably like uh, last year high school early on in college and it kind of grew with me man I just started putting it out organically on social medias and people really took accustomed to it really liked it because um, it applies to everything man height doesn't measure heart but also in the sense of everyone battles adversity everyone's going to go through something in life it's the ability to get through it and to keep going so uh, like I said I have people from all walks of life that reach out to me um, and say that they love what I'm doing with the foundation, the apparel line, they love the messaging. Um, it's awesome, man, to get the messages saying that something I'm saying or just um, being my authentic self is helping people get through their day. And then essentially my family and I turn this into a foundation that's gonna be geared towards inner city youth and will be geared towards a scholarship fund that will help um, that will help young kids being able to get hopefully into a college um, that they wouldn't normally have been gotten, uh, gotten into based off financial reasons, man. And this is something I've always wanted to do. So I'm excited, man. This is the first clinic that we're doing for HGMH. Um, and it's a huge success and we're kind of build off this going forward. How nice is it to, uh, after everything that's gone down in the last 18 months, to be able to do this here on Long Island? Yeah, it's amazing, man. To see things kind of starting to get back to normal, to see people out smiling outside, having a good time, eating good, having a having a great little event, man. It kind of, it's reminiscent of old times. So uh, it's a great event, man. Huge thank you to my family. Huge thank you to the sponsors. Um, we probably have half the kids here, man. We have 200 plus kids here. Half of them are sponsored, um, which is pretty incredible. So huge, huge thank you to the sponsors. Uh, like I said, we have 40 plus coaches. Thank you to the coaches that came out to help out. Thank you to the volunteers that came out to help out. And then, um, yeah, man, it's, it's a great event. Also had the chance to speak with Taiwan Walker, who really appeared genuinely thrilled to be spending his off day in such a manner. Uh, I know I was talking about uh, Jeremy Accardo, who was catching uh, a lot of these kids, and the station just next to him was Taiwan Walker, giving these kids like tips on their mechanics and follow through, and just very cool. Here, take a listen to his uh, thoughts on the day. That's been special, man. Uh, Showman's first one. I mean, great turnout. I think it was said 250 kids, you know, max capacity. So uh, just see other kids out here, you know. This is my first thing. Uh, some doing like this, so it's pretty cool. And if that wasn't enough Marcus Stroman talk for the episode, uh, our good buddy Dennis P. Gorman, who writes for the Associated Press, the New York Times, among many other outlets, uh, actually has a feature coming out on Friday in the Toronto Sun on Marcus Stroman, and he's going to join us to talk about it in the second half. So hang tight. We're going to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, Tim Ryder from the Apple, Simply Amazing. Um, as promised, we are speaking with my good buddy, Dennis Gorman. Um, you, guys, you guys might have seen his words in AP, uh, Associated Press, uh, New York Times, uh, Oh, just uh, we can run the gamut, but we'd be here for well through our time limit. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. How's it going, my man? Good, Tim. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Oh, dude, thank yeah, my pleasure, man. And I am I'm doing fantastic. Not bad for an off day. We were talking before we hit record. Uh, really, very, very nice day. Um, just finished up the first half of the show, talking a bit about Marcus Stroman's uh, uh, baseball clinic in Glen Cove today, which was a very nice day and. As it turns out, Dennis, you have a story coming out in the um, the Toronto Star, correct? That's correct. Uh, that should be uh, it. Should be up for uh, tomorrow morning, or maybe even later tonight. It's uh, essentially uh, it's a profile of Marcus Stroman, uh, former Blue Jay, now a Met, and it ties into the series. Uh, essentially, just how uh, you know how he's doing now that he's with the Met with, with the Mets, and just. I think it's, there's, it's, you know, knock on wood, it's pretty good. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less. Um, you know, I guess you could see the, the confidence that, that Stroman exudes on the mound. You saw that in Toronto. And um, I think you've actually seen that kind of grow and, and him become a, a smarter pitcher, not just a, uh, hey, I got this stuff and you can't hit it, but he, he pitches smarter than he did. And seeing that kind of process take place has been really cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't think I'm going to be telling any tales at a school. You are, you and I were on the Mets post game zooms yesterday, and they uh, first Louis Louis Ross talked about that talked about uh, Marcus and Jeremy Hefner worked on some feel things for, for Marcus, and then. And Marcus talked about it after his start that, you know, that he felt like he, you know, he got his feel back, you know, keeping his hands lower and, and he went out and he dominated, you know, a, a, you know, a team that's been, that everyone thought was going to be a pretty good offensive team going into the season. And yeah, he, he's been really good as a, as a man, you know, he's, I know there are some people that will argue avoid American league pitchers at all costs because when they come to the national league, they get knocked around the park. Um, look, he hasn't had one of those starts where it makes you think this was a bad trade. He, he's been competitive. He, you know, he he will give you what he has. Uh, Dom, Dom Smith mentioned that yesterday, that even in starts where he didn't have his best stuff, he w- went as far as he could go in those starts. You know, he would go five innings, six innings. He, you know, he, tr- he, he wants to be out there. And I think that's that's commendable. Oh, for sure. And when you look at his numbers since he came over, he's pretty much had a full season here. 31 starts now. His ERA is a 3.00 on the nose. Um, yeah, he's been, I think, everything the Mets could have asked for. Uh, and then some, especially considering 
the the shape that the uh, the rotation has been in behind the front three, just everything's kind of been in flux. Now with DeGrom out, um, we've seen, you know, that next man up mentality that kind of made its way through the lineup, through the positional lineup. It's it's kind of now spread over to the pitching staff. And I, I can't help but hang that on uh, on Stroman and Taiwan Walker for kind of keeping things, um, like keeping everybody on their toes, keeping everybody motivated. And I, and I think that's that's all. I think that's exactly right. I mean, you, you know, I think a lot going into the season, the the question about the Mets was, okay, who do they have in the rotation after Jacob Degrom? People say, yeah, they got Stroman, but what about Walker? What about the fourth starter, the fifth starter? The pitching hasn't been the problem for the Mets. You know, the starting pitching's been incredibly good. Uh, you know, injuries have been a problem. Offense has not had, you know, hasn't been great for most of the year. But now, you know, the bats are beginning to, the beginning, the Mets are beginning to hit a little bit. And now, you know, you start looking ahead. It's like, well, heck, you know, if the if they can, if they can hit regularly, get Degrom back healthy, where he's Jacob Degrom, and you have your starters going well. Why not? Why can't they? Why can't they go deep in, in the playoffs? Right. And then you, and you've been looking further ahead. At some point, you're going to get Carrasco back. Maybe next week. Maybe by the end of the month. Uh, maybe in August, September. Potentially, you get Noah Syndergaard back. So, if you go into October and your first three starters are Degrom, Walker, Stroman in whichever order you want to use them. Then you have Carrasco, you have Syndergaard. I'm assuming they're going to go out and try to add a lefty and a righty for the pen and maybe an impact bat. I think they're, they have as good a shot of any, as any to, uh, to, w- to win this thing. Oh, I think making waves is, is certainly uh, within, well within you know, arm's reach at this point. Um, yeah, if they if they can go out at the trade deadline and make, you know, we are here to win this thing types of moves, and they don't have to be big blockbusters, but they have to be reinforcement type moves. Um, yeah, I think this this roster is certainly well equipped. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens when they have to shorten up the rotation. Um, uh, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully, in the postseason. Um, you know, having the ability to toss Carrasco out there for multiple innings, Syndergaard out there, hopefully. Peterson might be back at some point. You know, um, yeah, all, all very, very good things. You kind of have to wonder where it goes. But, um, I mean, as for, you know, in the more immediate future, um, with Toronto in town this weekend, of course, Stroman's going to miss them, which would have uh, kind of negates a nice storyline. The Mets are going to see Stephen Matz, who, um, you know, I, I get the idea that, they might uh, be missing uh, an actual major league arm right now, but I guess personally, I don't, I can't really subscribe to the, Oh, we should have kept Matt's because you know, that was all part of the plan. His time sort of ran its course here. And um, in any case, it'll be nice to see him come back to New York and the Mets. These are some games the Mets have to win. Toronto's a very good team. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. The revisionist history around Steven Matt's, <laughs> and when he came up, it was, you know, he's potentially, you know, he, he has really good stuff. And, you know, and then, you know, he's from Long Island, grew up a Met fan. 
that, 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 that's a fun sidebar story. And yeah, he did have good stuff, but he had, you know, he wasn't saying, you know, he, he was, he was getting injured a lot. And when he was on the mound, you didn't know what guy you're getting, not only from game to game, but from batter to batter, uh, which becomes kind of a problem if you're expecting this guy to be one of the linchpins of your rotation, you know, Maybe he's figured some things out in Toronto. Maybe they figured some things out. Uh, you know, I, I'm not quite sure exactly what's going on there, but he, he's had a pretty good year for them and, and good for him. You know, you know, you know he, everyone's deserving of having success. And you're right. This is an important series for the Mets. Uh, not just because, you know, they're, I think they're 1543 if my math is correct. Uh, going into tomorrow, but you know, as people pointed out uh, uh, during the zooms, they, they kind of traded water on this last road trip, and they've traded water maybe since June a little bit. At a certain point, you need to get some positive momentum going, and it would be good. I think it would be good for them to beat, if not a playoff caliber team, then a team that's pretty good and that can absolutely rake with the best of them. Yeah, I think now that the offensive um, roster is more complete, I mean, albeit without Francisco Lindor, but everyone else is back and everyone else is hitting. Um, you know, seeing I talked about it a little bit in the first half. Conforto came alive. He's uh, gone 0 for 9 since that little spurt, but he's still hitting the ball really, really hard. I'm not worried there. McNeil's coming around. Yeah, um, I would agree with you there. This team is certainly built to um, – uh, to make some waves in the postseason, you just, you know, you got to hold up this lead. You got to hope and pray for no more injuries. And, you know, I guess just consistent production from the guys who have got you here. And I guess that'll bring us right back to, to Stroman, um, who arguably, I mean, of course, Jacob deGrom is, you know, for all intents and purposes, the absolute ace of this of this staff. But I think Louis Rojas had mentioned this on Wednesday as well. Um, you know, Stroman's been an ace level pitcher for the Mets. And uh, yeah, I'm curious to see, I guess I'm curious to read your article because I want to know Toronto's side of this. Um, I know the fans adored him. I know the organization was a big fan, right? I mean, he, he was an interest. I, I think he, he, he was interesting in some aspects because certainly the fans loved him, but there, you know, there were other aspects, um, you know, where, uh, there, there was an anecdote where a kid, he, a kid asked him for an autograph and he blew the kid off. And I guess the kid mentioned it on his social media and Strobe and Strobe and blocked him on Twitter and, and Instagram. And, you know, the, there was another incident where he uh, screamed at a Sportsnet reporter who asked him a question about when he was pitching for the Jays, uh, I think single A affiliate in Vancouver after a game. And it was well after he talked about, that game starts like the last question of a scrum and the Jays were having, it was, I think it was, 20, it was 2018 and the Jays were having a rough go of it. And, you know, he didn't react well to it, which, yeah. you know, to me, those things happen just like, exactly. you know, just like, you know, and, you know, people, I know some people pointed out, you know, I'm sure people kind of eye rolled about the thing with Nagowski and then the, the, the tweet in April where uh, he criticized ESPN for the, the, the push notification about his 
thoughts about the, the April 11 game against the Marlins being started and then postponed because of the weather. To me, I don't think those are really big deals. You know, it's not like he is go. He, he hasn't come into uh, a, a zoom session and saying, trade me. I want out. I hate this team. I hate this organization. They can never, we can't win. You know, you know, I, to me, it's it's just it's just silliness. It's it's not worth devoting, you know, uh, hundreds of words in a, in a newspaper story or a web page to. But uh, you know, some some it, it, in the the air in the age that we live in now, it, everything is a story, whether. Yeah. It, whether whether it is or isn't, you know, <laughs> it's all about the almighty click. Yeah, uh, the clicks and the page views help pay the bills. Unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, it is what it is. But uh, you know, I've been, I guess, to accurately tell any story, you need all the context. I get that, and we all have our moments. I know this better than anyone. <laughs> we yeah. all have our moments. Um, you know, uh, you, you you grow. You 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 move on you you you, yeah you just grow as a person i think we all take step backs and this isn't a you know this could be for for marcus stroman this could be for john nagowski we all make mistakes and you know it's it is what it is but um i mean as for stroman this is a guy who just you know goes out of his way what i saw on thursday in glen cove you know these kids were just elated to see and mingle and get lessons from their heroes and you know that's I think that's the the legacy, and I, you know, it's it just I'm, I'm uh, one. I'm very curious to to read your article now because I want to see it from from uh, I guess an outside New York point of view, and and just yeah, I, I'm 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 happy that Strowman is in New York, and I hope that the Mets can can keep him here. I know a uh, report came out I think just before I hit record that uh, that Mets and Strowman have not discussed a an extension for next season or, a con- or any sort of contract negotiations. And I guess that's understandable. Um, I wouldn't blame him if he wants to test free agency, but selfishly as a fan, I, I want him in-, in the fold. I think he's just the type of player that, you know, you, you want on your roster with leadership wise, production wise. He's that guy. Well, it, it, not only that, the leadership in the production, I think, uh, we're both old enough to probably have memories of the 86 Mets. Um, uh, a little hazy. I was like, I was a little older than a toddler. Okay. You know, and for, well, I, I can remember being uh, a kid, you know, playing with my toys in the living room floor and during game six of the 86 series and my father who is 5'8", and is, is as Irish as a day is long, <laughs> kind of laid back in his recliner, and then jumping out, hitting his head on the ceiling when that ground ball went through uh, Bill Buckner's legs. Um, so, but if you look at that team, you know, and, the, you know, there's so many stories, and we all know them about, you know, how emotional they were, the on-field fights, the cockiness, which, again, Yes, that is that that is part of their legacy, but they had a, the emotional leaders. You know, whether it's Keith Hernandez, you know, uh, Daryl Strawberry. Uh, I'm, 
I'm sure I'm blanking on other guys right now. Oh, but you know what? I get what you're saying because you can you can lead like Keith Hernandez did, real fiery, or you can lead like Gary Carter did and just come out and do your job every day. Is that I right. think that's what you're trying to get at? Right. You when you say you know I'm going to go out, I'm going to do my job. I'm you know and you know and, and, and perform. Guys get guys get excited about that. You know I, I know. See, and I, I don't want to cut you off, but I think Strowman kind of brings the best of both worlds in that sense where, you know, he's been extremely productive, as we just said, 3.00 ERA since he came to New York. And he also has that, you know, so he has that quiet consistency, but he also has that fiery leadership too. And um, yeah, that's it. You know, I know he's not an everyday player, but this is the type of guy that personally 29, 30 years old, I, I go out and give this guy his money. I, I say, yes, I'm, I'm in on Marcus Stroman. Yeah. Because and, and I think we've talked about it. If you look at the way pitch, the way the game is played today, mm. you know, it, it's such a strikeout-oriented sport from, from a pitcher's point of view. And, and, and he can strike guys out with the best of them. But he's also a guy, in a way, he, the way he pitches is somewhat of an outlier because he will induce hitters into pounding ground balls into infields across the, across the continent. Oh, um, goodness. He, he goes, he'll, he'll go for zones that will only induce foul balls. He'll go for right. zones that only induce ground balls. He's such a, such a, just a smart pitcher. Right. And to me, if you're able to do that, if you're able to not throw pitches that get lifted in the air, but, you know, grounded foul or grounded to the, a shortstop, you're helping your team. And, and you're, I think that, I think that's a positive and it, it, it's a, and it, it's a unique weapon that he has. And yeah, if, if you're the Mets and if you're Steve Cohen and you, you're taught and your thought process is we want to win the world series this year, we want to win the world series as many times as we can in the next X number of years. If Marcus Stroman is your number three starter, I think you've got to feel pretty good about the state, your state of your rotation. Yeah. And even it's like, you know, let's say you bring Stroman in for four. And you, you have him through his 34-year-old season, I believe. Um, yeah, that's a your, – your risk is mitigated to the point that, yeah, sure, why not? Because this isn't a guy who puts a ton of strain on his body. He's not going to go out and, you know, tear his elbow trying to, you know, throw 98. No, it's not – that's not Stroman's game. He's, he's a pitcher, not a thrower. And he always has been, which makes me think that it's even more – I don't want to say proven, but I guess that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it, yeah. I think we're both in agreement. That would be a, a just a you know a prudent move on the Mets' part, depending on what their their plans are. Um, yeah, I think you know you have to think. Of, I think Walker's back in the fold through through next year, right? Right. Um, the drums locked up. Yeah, you make you make the right move uh, at the trade deadline. Maybe grab a pitcher with another year or two of. Uh, uh, of team control and boom, you're, you're right back in the driver's seat. Right. And uh, is, is Carrasco team control for next year? Oh, I um, think he is. So if, if your first four starters are DeGrom, Walker, Stroman, Carrasco, then, then maybe you, you see what Syndergaard, if Syndergaard's willing to resign. Oh, I and, think, I think he's willing to take that. I, I'm, this is speculation, but I would have to assume he's willing to take the, uh, the um 
qualifying offer if it's if it's extended to him, right? I, I, w- I would think so. So if you go into next year and your rotation is in some form, Degrom, Walker, Stroman, Carrasco, Syndergaard, who where's the weak link? Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, we saw how this year went with injuries. There's always going to be something popping up, but because um, you know we had those same high hopes for the at least the you know the latter portion of this season. Oh, Carrasco will be back. Oh, Syndergaard will be back. Where's the weak link? You know, if you could bring the band back together next year, oh my goodness. Yeah, and then you know you start looking around. You know, okay, you said first with uh, with Alonzo, I. I'm guessing they feel pretty good at second base. You know, they're, you know, they're set shortstop. So then, and you start, you start looking, okay, there aren't holes in the, or at least that many gaping holes in the, in the right, in the everyday lineup where you say, okay, we have to, where they would think they have to do patchwork to, uh, to get by. I mean, I, I certainly think, this is a team right now where you, you have, they have a window. They have a window for a couple, at least for a couple of years, to uh, to, uh, to 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 compete. I agree a hundred percent. I think that uh, you know you make you pull the right strings and you can really have that sustainable success that Cohen was talking about in his uh, introductory press conference. But Dennis, um, what else do you got cooking right now on your end, man? I know you do your um, your your game previews for the for the AP Wire. I saw your stuff in in the Times this week, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I, I have some stuff coming up. I'll be helping out uh, AP on uh, NH- uh, first day of NHL free agency, so Ju- oh, nice. Ju- July twenty eighth. So you people can follow along with me there for some really terrible, terrible jokes as well as <laughs> uh, analysis and whatever and original reporting. The next day, the 29th, is the NBA draft. I think I'll be working that for AP as well. I'll probably, uh, probably doing some Knicks and Nets stuff. So, again, there will be um, terrible, terrible jokes as well as original reporting and analysis. So feel free to follow along and then, you know, September, NHL training camps start. Oh, so, it, the fun never ends, does it? No, it doesn't. And <laughs> I'm glad this is the best job in the world. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I just hope to land myself some full-time work soon. <laughs> I, I know that feeling very well. I, I, <laughs> hey, we're getting by. We can't complain. Dennis, exactly. I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. Everyone, Check it out. Uh, Dennis's article coming out in the Toronto Star on Friday. It could be out on Thursday night. But uh, it, once this episode comes out on Friday morning, it should be posted. Uh, I will try to include the link in the pod itself. If it is not there, of course, it wasn't uh, It wasn't published at time of our publishing, but I will include it upon uh, revision. Dennis, uh, where can everyone find you on social media, pal? You can find me on Twitter at Dennis Gorman, uh, D-E-N-I-S-G-O-R-M-A-N. Uh, I'm a, I think Tim will, uh, will attest I'm a relatively friendly guy. So feel free <laughs> to uh, uh, tweet, uh, you know, uh, comments, criticisms, constructive and otherwise, jokes. I'm, I'm here for it all. All interactions are welcome. Awesome. Yes. 
Excellent. Well, I'll, of course, I'll, I'll link um, I'll link Dennis's Twitter in the pod and description on the Apple so you guys can find him there. Definitely follow along. It's a full service stop. As you heard, Dennis covers all sports, so you get all, all the news you need there. And uh, yeah, buddy, uh, I can't wait to do this again soon. Absolutely. Let's uh, it would be fun to do it. Let's say. October one, October two, looking uh, potentially looking ahead to a long, uh, a long playoff run. Oh, I, I I hope so. I think I'll still have my bells on from the division clincher. Yeah, oh that that would be. Um, <laughs> I'm glad this is only a uh, the video. I'm glad the video isn't working then. <laughs> Excellent, man. Everybody, we're going to sign off right from here. You know where to find us. Subscribe, rate, review wherever you're listening to podcasts. And we'll see you next week. Let's go Mets. Peace. Yeah!